If you are turning with me in your Bibles, um, we are going to start in Matthew 6, 33. And we're going to see where we get with this thing. I, I've taken a couple different directions here. And yeah, God's really been speaking something to me. And then last, let's see, the last men's Bible study last two weeks ago almost it's been almost two weeks since we started talking about something and it really just got laid on my heart and I started thinking about it and I had already been chewing on some things that kind of went with it and then me and Zach and RJ had a little conversation when we were going out the front door that really got me on it some more so talk to you about some of that stuff that that we talked about that night and some other stuff too so if you're turning with me we're going to start in Matthew 6 Verse 33, we're going to look at a lot of things that Jesus had to say um, and just kind of get some instructions. But you remember last week in the message I told you that, that we were going to talk some about order. So that's kind of where we're going to start. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about order. And, uh, and you remember I, I gave you the example last week because some people say, oh, I don't care about order. I'm not an orderly person. I don't care about order, but you do. We can, we can find a kind of order that you care about. And I gave you all the example last week about how if I'm, if I'm cooking you some food and I have to go to the bathroom, there's an order that you want things to happen in, right? I think we can all agree on that. You want me to go to the bathroom, then you want me to wash my hands and then finish cooking your food, right? What if I said, well, the order doesn't matter. I just finish cooking your food, then wash my hands. I'm not okay with that. I don't know about y'all. So sometimes, just like in cooking a cake or something, we have ingredients that all have to be added in a certain order. You can't wait till after you've cooked it for 30 minutes on 350 to add the eggs. It doesn't work. Well, why not? I got all the right ingredients there. I cooked it on the right temperature for the right amount of time, and this tastes like a soggy cake slimy egg thing what could have been a good cake you see what I'm saying you got all the right ingredients but they're out of order or even one of them's out of order and you just ruined the whole entire cake everything's right so as we read the Bible God gives us these instructions God gives us recipes and ingredients and, and different things and he gives us certain order to things you want to date and marry somebody then guess what there's an order in scripture and if you follow that order I promise you your relationship will be blessed And you, do you have to? no right you want God to bless your finances well guess what there's an order in scripture and if you do that then, then God blesses it if you follow the instructions and if you follow the order that's kind of what we're doing every week is we're standing up here giving you the orders or the way we're, we're reading the scriptures and, and seeing how Jesus said, this is the order. This is what you should do first. And then the other stuff falls in line. And this is the order. Do it in the right order. What about when you fly on an airplane? Do you care if the pilot does things in the right order? You, you okay if he skips some steps? 
You know what's pretty scary? I flew to Colorado last year with Pastor Bruce and Pastor Tim and a couple people to go and do this cool ministry thing. And we're sitting on the plane and the captain comes on and says, hello, blah, 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 whatever. And then he says, this is what caught my ear. And he said, sorry for the delay, but I think we can make up the time in the air and still get you to Colorado on time. First of all, I'm thinking, wait, you can do that? What, you just going to push down the gas pedal a little more and speed up a little more? Isn't that dangerous? Wasn't there a reason it was going to take that amount of time? I don't know about y'all, but when I'm in an airplane, I'd like them to do things by the book. If I'm a little late, I'm a little late. I'd rather arrive late than the late Dusty. I'd rather, never mind. I'd rather be late than the late. Okay, sorry. When you try to combine a dad joke and a preacher joke, it's real bad. We want things done in order. Or I thought about this. What about, you know, how we hang those signs on something that says out of order? What does that mean? It's not working like it should. It's not working properly. Like when you only got a 15-minute break and you finally make it to the break room because your coworker won't quit talking and you run in there to get you a little, some kind of little snack and there's a sign hanging on the vending machine that says, out of order. How frustrating is that? Out of order. It doesn't work like it should. Man, I don't want that to be said about my life. I don't want people to look at me and say, you know, Pastor Dusty, he's out of order in this area. Or he's not working like he should. Or he's got the cart before the horse, some people say. I don't want to have the cart before the horse. I don't want to be out of order. You ever go to a restaurant and they get your order wrong? Kind of annoying. When something is out of order, things don't go smooth. And I want you to know God is a God of order. As we look down throughout Scripture and we see these attributes of God and we see these stories about God and we see the instructions that God gave to His children and to His people and then He sent Jesus to restore relationship. And, but there's an order. All the way in Genesis when He first started with creation, He set up the earth with order, with a certain rhythm the sun and the moon and the ocean and the tide coming in and out and the day and the night. Gravity. Right? He set up gravity. Whether you believe in it or not, it is true. You can't beat it. So when we're cooking, let's use the right ingredients and follow the right order. My sister-in-law, Rachel, she used to be bad at making sweet tea. She did not know how to make sweet tea. I don't know if it's where she's from or she was just never taught, but it wasn't good. And then she'd make it, and we'd go over there for like, thanks, sorry, Rachel. 
And we'd go over there for like Thanksgiving or something, and she'd be the one that'd say, Dusty, how's the tea? Eh. <laughs> right, but now I can say that and joke around now because now Rachel, over the last several years, Rachel has learned how to make tea. Okay, so Rachel knows how to make tea good now. But it's still kind of like a running joke. Whenever we go over to their house, Rachel always says, is the tea okay? <laughs> right? And she just was never taught the right order. Like you have to boil the tea bags and then you let them seep and then you put the sugar and then like there's just an order. I'm pretty sure she had the right tea bags. She had the right water and sugar, <laughs> but it just wasn't coming out right, you know? There's an order. So the Bible is full of recipes. You can't alter or change the recipe and expect the same result. I feel like we as Christians do that a lot. Right, we feel like, well, I can alter or change the recipe, but I should still come out with the same result. And that's not how it works. I mean, I can... I can sit here and give you a list of biblical things of how you, what you should do and just pick an area, a relationship, right? And you can do those things out of order, or leave an ingredient out or add an ingredient in or do something. And then you wonder like, why ain't my relationship looking like God said it was supposed to look? Maybe something was out of order. It's no condemnation. There's grace and mercy. Let's... Just get it back in order. Okay. Let's read what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 33. Like how I said 33 as if that was a question or I didn't know I was about to read 33. But seek ye second the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm sorry. Seek ye third the kingdom of God. And then, that's not what it says. It says, seek ye first. You know what first means? First. The first thing you do. Like you seek it before you seek everything else. It's pretty simple. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So if you seek first the kingdom then Jesus is saying all these other things, they'll be added to you. They'll all fall in place. And to put it in context, this is where he was talking to the disciples about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. You're taking thought for tomorrow and your business and just your stuff. This life, this world, your food, your clothes. Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that stuff, it'll be added to you in the right order. If you look over in chapter 7, it's where Jesus continues this whole thought. We won't read the whole thing, but chapter 7 is where he's telling them, Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Like whatever you're seeking, good or bad, Jesus said you're going to find it. It's cool that before he told them that, Seek and you'll find, he told them, Seek the kingdom first. 
What does that mean? Look for God's kingdom before you look for negativity. Look for God's kingdom. Look for God in a situation before you try to find all the bad. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things, though, they'll be added to you. We spend so much time seeking and following after things. Stuff, jobs, cars, girls, guys. What, I mean, you can fill in the blank. Seeking things. Food. Psalm 23 tells us that if we follow the shepherd, then goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And sometimes we follow things that were meant to follow us. We're chasing after things that God designed to chase after us. But we're chasing them, and it's like a dog chasing its tail. And we look around and wonder why I'm not getting anywhere. Or why am I wandering around this wilderness for 40 years? But Because I'm chasing things that were supposed to be chasing me, and then they're chasing me, and I'm still chasing them, and I'm not chasing my purpose. I'm not following after God because I'm chasing after things that they're good things. God wants me to have them. He wants to bless my life with goodness and mercy and these things. But I'm not supposed to chase them. They're not supposed to be first. My feelings can follow me and I'll use them. But I can't follow them. How many of y'all know your feelings will lie to you? You know how many times my feelings have deceived me? Let's put it this way. If my feelings were a person, I would unfriend them. I wouldn't even talk to them anymore. I'd be like, yo, you can get away from me. I don't trust you. My feelings have lied to me so many times. They've got me in trouble. They've made me do things that I didn't want to do that I knew I shouldn't do. They made me say things I don't want to say. I mean, really, just think about that for a minute. If your feelings were a person, would you still be friends with them? If the answer is yes, you may need counseling. My feelings are supposed to follow me as I follow God, as I chase my purpose. I can't chase my giftings, but as I chase my purpose, my gifts will chase me. Okay, let's see another first. Matthew 5, 23. We're going to jump around all over Matthew here. Just read a couple verses in each one. Look at some first, first things that Jesus said. Pages are stuck together. Maybe I wasn't supposed to read this one. I guess you're not supposed to spill coffee on your Bible. What'd I say? Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar. That's so he's talking about in church, in the synagogue. If you bring your gift to the altar. You know how a lot of y'all came in today and you brought your gift up to the altar to give it to God. So... Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, like while you're at the altar, and there rememberest 
that thy brother hath aught against thee. Wait a minute. It's not even that I remember that I have a problem with somebody. Look what Jesus said. He said, if you come to sacrifice and you're in here worshiping Jesus in the worship service and you remember that somebody else has a problem with you. He didn't even say you have to be the one with the problem. If it crosses your mind that they have a problem with you. Here's what he said. Triple the amount that you were going to give and give it directly to the pastor. Just kidding. That's out of order. It's not what Jesus said. Look what he said. There rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, Jesus said, first, be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. He's saying, don't let this be some drawn out thing. Why? Because unforgiveness will turn into bitterness. The longer you hold on to it, it's going to turn into bitterness. It's going to turn into poison in you. So Jesus said, figure it out quickly. As quick as you can. Get it taken care of. Whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. The prison of bitterness. So what is this one? First, first we saw, seek ye first the kingdom. That's your priorities. Right? First in your priorities. This one. First in relationships. Fix things. Don't leave things unsaid. If you need to apologize, apologize. If you need to forgive, forgive. Jesus said, fix things. First, fix your relationships. Why? Because relationships matter. We're community beings. We're created in God's image who is a community in and of himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We were created to be and to live in community, in relationship, not only with God, but with each other. Relationships matter. Well, okay. I know how some of y'all are thinking. All right, I'm going to be a doer of the word, and I ain't going to give in the offering anymore until I've forgiven everybody that I have a problem with. Ah. That's not what he said. It said, leave there thy gift. Uh-huh. You read it right there, verse 24. Leave there thy gift. So what he said is, go ahead and give your offering there at the synagogue. Go ahead and leave your gift there. But now you need to go, you need to go get it right. And then come and offer your gift. What's, what's, what's Jesus saying? He said, then you're going to see the blessing. Go make things right. Leave your gift. And go make things right. What's that? Kind of like a layaway blessing. <laughs> Fix your relationships. Build relationships. Work on relationships. 
every relationship takes work. Stop trying to give something when you know somebody's offended with you. Make it right. Third one. Look at Matthew 7, 5. Thou hypocrite. A hypocrite, actor. The word just means actor. Thou actor, thou hip- hypocrite, thou fake. Hey, you, standing there with the mask on. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Jesus said, hey, hey, you, actor. Instead of you standing there pointing out what's wrong with everybody else in the church and how they need to get that thing out of their eye, why don't you go to counseling your own self and find some healing, and then you can really help them get that thing out of their eye. Instead of you just standing there saying, hey, look at that problem that he's got. Jesus said, why don't you get some help so that you can help them? Because really, if you're not helping, you're gossiping. If you're bringing it up and it's not for the purpose of helping that person and growing them, then it's sin. And Scripture says sin is sin. So by you doing that, you make yourself just as bad as them. For whatever it is that you're judging them for, now you're just as bad as them. Oh, wait, that's probably why I said judge not, lest you be judged. Because by judging someone, you are then sinning. He said, first, find some healing. First, get that thing out of your eyes so that you can see clearly to help them. Not see clearly to point out what's in everybody else's eyes. He said so that you can see clearly to help them get it out of their eye. So if you're not helping them, keep your mouth closed. Thank you. And me too. I mean me keep my mouth closed too. You know anybody like that? They just point out what everybody else needs to do. Well, if he would do this, and if she would do that, and if, oh, if she would just break up with him, and if he would uh, start giving, and if she would do, like, but I could think of a few people that every time we get around them, they know what everybody else needs to do. They can tell you how everybody else could fix their lives. Let's not be those people. Let's not be that kind of church. Let's not be that kind of community. Because that's not what Jesus called us to be. Let's look at another first. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Told you we're just jumping around Matthew looking at what Jesus said to do first. So we saw what Jesus said to do first with your priorities. He said do first in relationship 
Matthew 22, 36. This lawyer came to Jesus and he said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Like, what's the most important commandment? And they had like 400 and something commandments. But he said, which one's the most important? Which is the first one? Like, what's the most important one if I can't do them all? What's the most important? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great or greatest commandment. And the second, Jesus said, oh, and there's a close second to this one. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, guess what? That second one, he said, it's like unto it. It it just happens. I don't think it's possible to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and not love your neighbor as yourself. And to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love yourself. And if you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you're going to love yourself because you're going to know who you are in Him. And that enables you and empowers you to love your neighbor as yourself. But see, if you get the cart before the horse, and before you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and before you learn how to love yourself because you're still mad at yourself for something you, know, you did back in college or whatever, but I'm going to go ahead and start trying to love people it doesn't work. It's out of order. You, you can't love people and forgive people if you don't have your relationship with God right and you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you hadn't figured out how to love yourself because you still hate yourself, but you're going to try to love somebody else. It's, it's, it's all raw egg cake. You got the right ingredients in there, but you got it out of order. Get the first things first and it tastes a whole lot better. You're a lot more pleasant to be around. When you offer me a slice of your life cake, I actually want to eat it. I guess cake was a bad example. Your fruit is more spiritual. When you offer me the fruit of the Spirit and your preserves are no good, because you didn't know how to can them right. You didn't follow the order, the instructions. The second is like unto it. Jesus said, love God and people. This one is your heart. First things first. Check your heart. What do you love? Then what order? Matthew 23, 26. This is Jesus again. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup 
platter that the outside of them may be clean also. Jesus is saying, he's saying this to the Pharisees, which the Pharisees were really full of themselves. You go do a little bit of looking into it, and they walked around with these big robes and tassels, and, and they walked around wherever they went, wearing their things, that they were better than everybody else, and they memorized the books of Moses, and they, I mean, they were really full of themselves. Jesus gave them a hard time than he gave the sinners or anybody else. But uh, they, were, they were pretty full of themselves. And, and Jesus said, stop trying to look so good on the outside. He said, wash the inside of the cup before you try to clean up the outside. What's he saying? First deal within here. Don't try to put on some mask and some fake costume and, and come into church and say, oh, hallelujah, love you, amen, brother. And on the inside, you're crying out or broken or bitter or angry or you, you're not fixing stuff inside. You're just trying to put on a show. You just try to put up a wall. Hey, how you doing? Fine. Fine, I'm fine. Everything going okay with kids? Your wife? Fine. Want to go grab something to eat? Fine. <laughs> like, Jesus said, fix the inside. First, first work on what's inside. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God sees inside. You're not fooling him. Jesus said, wash the inside of the cup, please. I'm glad the outside looks clean, but it's more important that you wash the inside. Or we could say it this way. What do you do when nobody's watching? I love the fact that you jump up and down and lift your hands and worship, but what do you do when nobody's around? Jesus is saying that's even more important than what you do in here when everybody can see what you do when you're alone what you do when you wake up and can't sleep at 3 a.m. That's, that's more important what's happening on the inside fix the inside first first and then the other stuff it'll work its way out we'll be able to see it on the outside if you get the inside fixed and healed inside first ready almost done we're going to jump to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 26, 2. That thou shalt take of the first, the first, of all of the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee. Saying, God gave it all to you. So bring of the first fruits and shalt put it in the basket and shalt go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. What's he trying to say there? The place where the Lord thy God shall choose. He's saying you don't get to pick where it goes. I'm going to ask you to give some of your first fruits, some of 
what I've given you and you don't get to control it. Bring it to the place that the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. The place God will choose, not you. You don't choose or control the tithe. If you do, that's okay. But according to scripture, it's an offering. It's not a tithe. When you control it, it becomes an offering. So the tithe, hold on. Proverbs 3, 9. About got ahead of myself. I almost started saying something. Proverbs 3, 9. Let's read 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the second fruits of all of thine increase. It says the first fruits. With the first fruits of all of thine increase. So this one is bring the tithe. Uh, Malachi not my son. Malachi 3.10 says, do we have that? Yeah. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. That there may be food in my house. He said, test me in this. This is the only place in scripture that I can find that God pretty much challenges you. He said, test me. Try me. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you if you do this right. If you, you do it in order. First, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I don't know why I don't ever get no new wine. The first fruits. So, like everybody always gets weird when you talk about money and I hardly ever preach about money or say anything about it and there was just this one point and we're about to go off of it, but all throughout Scripture we see this principle of tithing, and the tithe means 10%. And it's the first fruits. And it's not giving money to the homeless man on 75, and it's not sending money to your poor cousin in Birmingham. The tithe is it's very specific throughout Scripture, and it is... That wasn't a word of knowledge. If one of y'all does have a poor cousin in Birmingham, I don't know. And he might need your help. That's an offering. Right? Well, there's no scriptures in the New Testament that say I have to tithe. Um, there were no scriptures for Abraham and Jacob either. Who started bringing 10% of everything that they had to honor God more than 600 years before the law 
before the Old Testament law was ever even given, Abraham and Jacob were bringing 10% to the priest, to God. Why? Because they honored God and wanted to worship him with all that they had. Flocks, fruits, vegetables, whatever. We see it with, with Cain and Abel. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, and in Luke eleven forty two, that tithing is something that should not be neglected. Jesus said that bringing 10% is something that you shouldn't neglect. Can it give you salvation? No. Can it make God pleased or happy with you? And God loves you more as much right now than he ever will. There's nothing you can do to take away God's love, to take away your salvation. You don't ever have to give. But it's an ingredient. It's a first. Abraham was doing it over 600 years before the law. So you can't say that's under the law. So a lot of us as Christians, we've heard about tithing. We know what 10% is. We know that, that that's obedience and throughout the Bible, and that's considered obedience. But really, if you go do some studying on it, do you know tithing, that's not, even, that's not considered generosity. Tithing is obedience. God says, obey me in this. And anything above that, that's generosity. That's you being generous, but God said, just try me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven. So I'm going to wrap up with these, with these last few thoughts. But that's the alignment of your finances, that last one. But what we were talking about kind of at Bible study and then what I was thinking about and chewing on was this whole idea of like we talk a lot and we preach a lot of messages and stuff about, about how God calls us to give the triple T's of our time, talents, and treasures, our money. So we all have time, we all have treasure, we all have talent, we all have things that we can give and pretty much all of us know like hey if I want to give my tithe it's supposed to be the first fruits and the first thing I give but but we're not like that when we give our talent we're not like that when we give our time we give our time to what oh what we just now read about love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength do you give God the best of your time do you give him the first 10% or do you give him your trash time? Do you give him when you're completely exhausted and wore out and emotionally spent from the day and you fall on your pillow and you're about to go to sleep and you say, now I'm going to say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for... That's not the first fruits. That would be the same as if in my finances, if I took my paycheck every week and I said, hey, God, I'm going to put something in the offering after I'm done paying all my bills and putting every little bit of my savings in my kid's college fund. And then if I have any left, I'm going to give a little bit in the offering. I'd never give. That's why God says, dude, the first fruits, 
step out in obedience. So, so why don't I apply that to my time? Right, because I know, I can visibly see in my money, this is my paycheck, right? This is what I'm going to spend it on. I'm not going to have any left. I'm a smart fella. I know that the very first thing I need to write when I get my paycheck is at least 10% of that for my tithe check because I could see that. So why don't I apply that to my talent? The things that God's gifted me with. What about your talents? Every one of you is good at something. Do you give that to God? Do you give the first fruits of that to God? Do you, do you help people with what you're talented with? Do you... Do you use your talent of playing the guitar to worship Him first? Not that it can't be used for other things. But do you use it for that first? Or do you use it to try to make, get famous and make some money first? Or pick up girls? I don't know what you're using it for. But you all have talents. We all have time. Just, just imagine if you got this in order. In the right order. Imagine what God could do with your time. We all have the same amount of time. Every single one of us has 24 hours a day. You got the same amount of time as I have, the same as Donald Trump has, the same anybody breathing. We all have the exact same amount of time. We all choose what we're going to do with that time. And I know some of us, we're so busy we can't do anything, but we're busy because we made our lives that way. So those things that we're busy with are obviously important to us or we're stupid. Or both. Right, so they're worth it to us or not. But imagine what God could do with those 24 hours if we got it in order, we got our priorities straight, and we gave it to Him first, the first of our time, first of our talents first of our treasures we gave it back to him you ever heard that saying there used to be a little sign hanging on the back when I used to go to the gym and be in shape they had a little sign hanging in the men's locker room I'm sure y'all have heard it because it's a there, I've seen memes about it and stuff but it says you can't out train a bad diet and for a while I took that as a challenge I really tried but It's true. You can ask Zach. He's pretty knowledgeable in the area. It's really hard to out-train a bad diet. If all I'm eating is Krispy Kremes, it's going to be really hard for me to enter into a men's physique competition. Actually, I could enter one, but I'm going to lose. Don't need any judges to tell me that. It's really hard to out-train a bad diet. You know what a lot of trainers will tell you? To write down everything that you eat. Every single thing that you're going to eat, they'll tell you to write it down. Just take your little piece of paper and write it down on, on there. The idea is that you probably don't realize what all you're taking in during a day. Like how much just garbage and trash and sodas and 
junk. And if you're having to write it down, you might take in a little less. But at least by writing it down, now you realize and you admit, okay, this is what I'm taking in. It's going to be really hard to lose weight with me taking in 8,000 calories a day. Right? <laughs> like, but you realize what all you're taking in. Why? Because it's hard to change if you don't see it. So if you took a log of your money for a week or a month or a year, everything that you spent money on, and you could take a look at it, you could see where the first fruits went or what's important to you. What if you took a log of your talent? Everything in your life that's considered a talent, something that you're good at. Did you use it to help anybody? Did you use it to bless somebody, to further the kingdom, to mentor somebody? To What if you took a log of your talent for a whole entire year? Every time you use your talent, Take a log of it and then look back over that year and see how many times did I use my talent for God, for people, to make the world a better place. Now you know what the next one I'm about to ask you is. What I think is probably the most important one, more important than money, more important than talent, I think is time. Time's the most valuable thing we have. You don't have anything more valuable than time. You can't get it back. It, like, you don't even know how much of it you have. Imagine if I gave you a $100 bill. Don't get excited. I don't have a $100 bill on me. This is an example. But don't start waiting to raise your hand and miss what I'm about to say. But imagine if I had a $100 bill to give you. You want it? I would assume everybody in here would say, yeah, shoot, I'll take a $100 bill. Yeah, I want it. But what if I told you that at some point I'm going to ask you for it back? So I'm going to give you this $100. And I'm going to ask you for it back at some point. But... If you only have 50 bucks left, that's okay. If you only have $5 left, that's all right. If you Really, if you only have a penny left, I'll take that. That's fine. Not a problem. But I'm going to give you that $100 and see what you do with it. Let you just have it. You know, there are three things that you can do with that $100 bill really just three things you can do with it. You can waste it. You can spend it. Or you can invest it. And really everything you're going to do with that, is, it can all be dealt out into one of those. You'll waste it, you'll spend it, or you'll invest it. Now imagine that $100 bill is your life. One dollar per year, assuming you get a hundred years. We don't even know. 
If I think about my life as a $100 bill, and 100, 100, that's a pretty long life. So that's shooting on the higher end probably for the average. Man, I'm bumping 40. I only got 60 bucks left. Man, that sounds kind of depressing. Now that I speak this example out. <laughs> but guess what? We're not promised tomorrow, so he might ask me for my 100 back tomorrow. And I'd say, hey, I only got 62. And he says, all right, that's fine. What'd you do with the 38 I gave you? Like, what'd you do with the 38 that you spent every day you were alive? Every second you breathed. Every person you came in contact with. Every worship service you walked into and every job you were on and every... Will you waste it? Spend it? Invest it? Time is a valuable thing. I'm going to close. By reading you Matthew 11. Verse 28 through 30. We're going to end back on what Jesus said. Jesus was going through a really hard time. At this point in his life. And closest person to him on earth had been beheaded his cousin John then Jesus got really frustrated with a lot of different people and some places that he had invested in and didn't see much return and and if you go read it Jesus just really was kind of getting upset and it says that abruptly Jesus broke into prayer and he said thank you father it was almost like he caught himself. He was getting upset and he started fussing about this and that. And John was the greatest man I've ever seen in this city and that city and this city. And, and then he's like, oh, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Like He's like, thank you, God. You're in control. You're all powerful. And then we see that he starts ministering to the people again. It's like a recipe for when we're upset and we're hurt and we're frustrated and we're tired and we feel like we didn't get what we deserved look what Jesus says in verse 28 are you tired anybody in here tired are you worn out you burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. To the rhythms of grace. Jesus said, you ready? Here's, here's the instructions. Here's the ingredients. Come to me. Who? All who are weary. All who are heavy laden. He said, just come to me. 
first, before you get upset, before you freak out, before you get mad, before you act on your feelings, before you go chasing things that you were never meant to chase, just, just come to me. And then he said, get away with me. Away from what? You're the proud winner of a weekend getaway. What does that mean? Away from what? The norm? Regular life? Everyday life? The way everybody around you is doing it? What everybody else says? Monkey see, monkey do. It, it makes me think about... Um, it makes me think about Romans 12... Where Paul said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. You know why he said God helping you? Because you can't do it on your own. He said, but here's what I want you to do. God helping you or God empowering you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping and eating and going to work and you're walking around life. Your normal everyday life. You're just walking around doing you, living life. And place it before God as an offering. What? What does that mean? Paul's saying to give him what you have. Your time, your talents, your treasures. Bring God the first fruits of your life. An offering of your life. And see what he'll do with it. Let's see how far that 90% goes of your time. That 90% of your money. That 90% of your talents. That... And 90% of your thoughts. And you know when we're thinking about, about thoughts? See, that can be a hard one because if I'm taking a log of my money, that's easy. If I'm taking a log even of my talents, okay, cool. Um, if I'm taking a log of my time, really, I need to take a log of my thoughts. Because, like, tomorrow morning I'll go to Atlanta to get pig food. And so I could just write down on my time log, went and got pig food. But how many of y'all know I could go get pig food tomorrow? And I could be somewhere completely different in my thoughts. And I could spend that time investing or wasting. I can spend that time going to get pig food tomorrow, depending on what I choose to do with my thoughts. I can spend that time consuming or creating. It all happens in between my ears. So really when I say time, it's more important, almost inventory of the thoughts. Where do I allow my mind to go? What am, am I investing? consuming my creating or wasting embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him just embrace what he did for you don't become so well adjusted to culture that you that you fit in without even thinking instead fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out Oh, wait, that's what we saw. We wanted. We want clean inside of the cup first. 
from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. God wants to transform you. God wants to bring the best out in you. He has a call and a purpose and a plan on the inside of you. You're his kids. He sees so much potential in you. Come to me. Get away with me. And what? I'll give you rest. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. So what will we be? As a church, I I told you several times throughout here what we're not going to be. And as a people and as a community, what we won't look like. And One thing that we're really trying to build lately and through several of the messages and, uh, and through our leadership, you're probably going to be able to see it. But here's what we will be. We will be thankful. We will be grateful. You ever got mad at somebody for being too thankful? I haven't. Ever got irritated with your spouse? She's just too grateful for being too grateful. <laughs> now, all she does is thanks me, tells me how awesome I am. So annoying. Nope. <laughs> As a people, we will be thankful. Gratitude rewires your brain. So we'll be thankful. What else? We will be generous. With what? All that we have and all that we are. Why? Because our God is generous. Because our God is love. And the first response of love is to give. We don't give to be loved. We give because we are love. We want to look like God, then we better be generous because otherwise we don't look like God for God so loved that he gave what the most expensive valuable thing that he had Jesus so we will be thankful we will be generous and we will not give up I preached that message a couple weeks ago on patience perseverance long-suffering that's what it means we don't give up we don't quit even when we don't see God working on our behalf we keep walking in obedience we don't stop we don't quit in the process we keep moving forward why? because we know that the process is making us what we're supposed to be We think the goal and we think the prize is that we got to the top of the mountain. And God says the prize is that we learned how to climb. 
and that we're strong and that we can face other mountains. We've got to change our perspective. And I was even thinking about that as I was wrapping this up. Because, you know, we give the children of Israel a hard rap that they were so dumb. They had to wander around in the desert for 40 years. And put, but then on the other hand, we, I preach all these messages about how it's about the journey and it's about the process. So, I mean, who's to say that that wasn't the process that God needed to walk his people through to make them the people that could handle the land? There's a scripture that God said to the children of Israel, hey, I can't let y'all beat all these people and take all the land at once because y'all can't handle it. Like y'all aren't even strong enough and y'all aren't even big enough as a people to handle it all. So wild animals would move into the houses and like kill y'all and it would be overgrown. That's what it says in the Bible. God said, I'm just gonna be able to give it to you a little bit at a time because that's all you can handle. It's about the process. How do we win? We faint not. We don't quit. When we mess up, we get back up and we keep going. And we're thankful for the lesson. We're thankful for the journey. And we're generous with our time and we're generous with our talents and we're generous with our treasures and everything that God placed in our hand, we live with an open hand because we want to look like our dad. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you for transforming us. God, thank you for these recipes. We got a whole cookbook today of a bunch of different recipes of a bunch of different areas. And so, God, my prayer is that that we would latch on to the recipes that we need. And if we can't receive all the recipes that we're given today, that each man, each woman under the sound of my voice would take all that they can handle at this point in the journey. And they would begin to do it in order. God, I'm praying that you come through. God, I'm praying that you'll show up. And even if you don't, we're going to keep doing good. We're going to keep blessing people and loving people and worshiping you because we're so thankful and grateful. If you never did another thing for us, what you've already done is enough. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.